Hello and welcome to another edition of the Power Podcast. Another three-man show this week with our fearless leader Hamish uh, still having some IRL commitments. Uh, but as always, I'm joined by Bertie. How's it going? And Ham. Uh, yeah, I'm back. I had a week hey, off, hey. a few niggling injuries. Uh, so he got the Josh Papali'i treatment, <laughs> got rested yep. for a week, and now he's back. Yep. Back better than ever, baby. <laughs> All right. Uh, not too much BS to start this show. Let's get straight into the uh, post-mortem of the Round 8 victory over the Canterbury Bulldogs, the Parramatta Eels 32, defeating their uh, arch-rivals, I suppose. Canterbury, one of our arch-rivals. We'll call them arch-rivals. 32 to 10. Traditional. Yeah, traditional, traditional rivals. Yeah. There you go. Um, Eels... Uh, winning by way of a Clinton Gufferson double. Uh, there was also a Mike Acevo double, a double, Sean Lane and uh, Murata Niakore getting over as well. Sorry about that one. And then Mitch, four from six off the kicking tee. For the dogs, Jake Avrilo stepped past Dylan and Dylan Latine's Lesniak scored when our right edge forgot how to um, read a play with Carl Flanagan going one from two. Uh, all in all, a pretty solid win. It, it's really weird calling a 22-point victory solid, but that's what it was because it could have really blown the dogs out by, you know, 50 plus, but... Uh, just end up with the 32 to 10 victory. How do we see this one, boys? In terms of the stats, I'll quickly run for them, I suppose. Uh, possession was fairly close, 51% in favor of the Eels. Time of possession was about a minute in favor of the Blonde Gold. Uh, dogs completed more efficiently, 79%. The Parramatta's 71%. But from there, it's all Parramatta. Eels dominated every key attacking stat. Uh, they were up 30 runs, made 550 more meters. Uh, of those meters, they made a hunt, nearly 200. Yeah, nearly 200 post-contact meters more. Seven line breaks to two, 38 tackle breaks to 20. Uh, a massive difference in average set distance. Parramatta, 47.1 meters per set. The Dogs, just 33.4. Uh, eels may wave more kick return meters. But as always, as we noted, that um, the Eels have a slower play to ball speed, which is usually indicative of our victory. I don't know why, but Parramatta's 3.1, 3.61 seconds was way slower than Canterbury's 3.17. Um, so whatever we're doing is working. It doesn't make sense, but it's working. Uh, and from there, yeah, Eels ahead in most of the passing stats. Uh, about the same in kick defusal, uh, slightly better in defense. Uh, although the dogs probably had the, they were slightly ahead on um, the negative plays. Parramatta made more errors, uh, conceded more penalties, and more ruck infringements. So yeah, that's the uh, the macro read of that game. Fellas, you want to take it away from there? Um, I think the reason why it's sort of disappointing is that I think it the, the team might have sort of tried to play it that way. You know, we played the week before up in Darwin. Hot, humid conditions would have drained a lot of them. They seem to play sort of the opening 20 minutes and then just put the cue in the rack. Yeah, shot, was... shot out to a 16-0 lead and then uh, scored the first try in the second half, but then the Dogs sort of – they didn't get back into the contest, but they stopped running away. The Parramatta Eagles stopped running away with the actual game, didn't they? Yeah, because, you know, I, I think I, – I can't remember where I said it, but, like, it's, I said it the same as the Broncos. Like, yeah, we can run up a score on those two teams and we, pro- we probably should have run up a score because um, points differential is always huge. But – there's things you can always work on and in those games where you're easily leading. You can work on other things and really against the dogs, you know, as I said, the week before we played the Broncos up in hot and humid conditions and the week after we've got um, the Sydney Roosters. So while you don't want to, you do really want to take one game at a time, you know, you just, if you don't have to go even 80% intensity, what's, what's the point? Well, as we have noted before, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Otherwise you end up like the St. George Illawarra Dragons, perennial April premiers. So I'm not too upset about the result with that sort of uh, focus on it. Uh, and given how much we have struggled to beat the Dogs, well, not struggled to beat, we've, we've beaten them eight out of our last 10 encounters prior to the weekend. So it wasn't a struggle to beat them, it was a struggle to actually get a comprehensive result against them. Uh, most of those games played with a single-digit margin of, um, of victory. I was happy to see what we did there. 
Uh, but you, you raised the idea of the Darwin game influencing this ham. Do you think that's what was behind uh, Oregon Kafusi's first ever NRL start when Brad Arthur pulled that switcheroo before full uh, before full time before kickoff and uh, put Junior back to the bench and Oggy to start? Um, I didn't notice uh, Junior's minutes there, but you know he's probably not playing fifty off the bench. So absolutely, you know, rest your best middle forward um, or best attacking middle forward um, for having played a big game. I, pro- I assume he would have lost a few kilos um, from water weight there, and then. Rest him up for the game afterwards too. Yeah, Oggy, I think that might be a career high 46 minutes for him, who was very good throughout that game. Junior, probably not his best game. Uh, forced a pass that led to a turnover. Still had good numbers though. At 42 minutes, managed to get through 123 metres from 14 carries. Uh, 18 tackles, but four missed, which is uh, uncharacteristic for June. So he's pretty good usually in defence. Uh, whereas Oggy got through 125 metres from 14 runs, so almost identical running metres. That's, that's funny. And... He had a much better showing in defense with 19 tackles, zero missed, and one ineffective. Uh, Bertie, you got any take on that swap between the two players or anything in uh, general? Look, I think I think it played effect, Darwin, but I think Brad Arthur said in the press conference he was planning on um, giving Oregon minutes, more minutes this year, like in terms of starting. So maybe he has had a plan this year. I'm going to head in and sort of like give um, Oregon a few starts throughout the year. And it just worked out this this was one of those games because it. Um, you know, if I'm surprised it was Junior, I thought maybe Reg may have taken a break because Junior, I think he's more fitter than Reg. I could be wrong, but he just seems like to punch out more minutes than Reg. But um, yeah, you know, it it, it could play a hand, and you know, plus the short turnaround. Like I think this is our first. We haven't had many short turnarounds, like in terms of like um, well, I'm not saying it's a short turnaround, but like from heading into the Darwin game, there was a short turnaround. So like, no, I, I think it was just more. Yeah, well, I think it was just. There, there might be a bit way. of long-term theory here because Junior Paul is all but a shoe-in to be caught up to New South Wales for State of Origin, which is back to being mid-season and not post-season now, which means Eels will need a new starting prop. So Oregon seems to be the guy. So he's come on and had a great... I, I did say in an earlier pod this year, like, now that Kane Evans has left, um, you know, who is our third prop? You know, the guy that's going to be the first guy off the bench and when it comes to Origin time, who is going to be the starter? And, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, Gunn will be one and Papa Lee. So, like, you know... It, it, it's, it seems logical. Like he's, if you were to rank, you know, like talk NFL terms, he is what he is front row number three. Yeah, he, on the depth chart, he is clearly front row number three. With a, you know, we've had some good good showings from Wiramu, Greg, and there's some other guys that can sort of uh, fill in as a, a middle forward like Sean Lane. But there's a pretty a significant margin between uh, Oggy and the rest of the uh, chases on the depth chart, I think. And it's been really encouraging to see him come on in 2021 because we always know he's had the talent. But excuse me, I just had dinner, so I'm sort of repeating on myself here. Uh, but he's really come on in leaps and bounds this year, you know, being really strong in post-contact meters, starting to look for that offload without being uh, silly about it. And defensively, he's just really solid. So loving what I'm seeing from the big O. Looking across the rest of the team, though, we had another uh, vintage Quinton Gufferson performance. Uh, really nice to see. Mitch oh. Moses, really good. Reed Marnie, really good. So you had That f- first half from the King. Yeah. Yeah, he's like... <laughs> two, he was, two tries, a try assist. Yeah. Got the, early, got the early mark from BA, let Hayes Dunster get on the field for a few minutes. Uh, but, but despite having eight minutes early to hit the showers, he had 261 metres from just 22 carries, three line breaks, a line break assist, two tries, 11 tackle breaks. Goodness, what a game. <laughs> yeah, if I'm saying if that was Latrell Mitchell, if that was Kalen Ponga, if that was Tuvacic, if that was Tom Travojevic, they'd be talking that game up like it was the best thing they've ever seen in their life. And, and it's not like Quinton didn't get his dues, but like you said, there seems to be a difference in perception where he has this game. It's like, oh, yeah, Guffin went really well, but like 
you were alluding to, if it was Tommy or, or RTS or Kalen Ponga, it's like, oh, my God, freak, you know, just player of the round. Yeah. Reed got and no then, points from Dally M as well, you know. Yeah, Reed, to be fair, Reed would have been in the battle for one, but uh, they went with Reg, I think. It was Corey Parker, who I think in the last two weeks, he called pretty solid Dally M votes for the Parramatta Eels. He called both our games, and I'm really not that upset about it. Uh, but yeah, Reed was very good in the first half. Uh Pitts by Reg for the one daily end point, but Reg went 13 runs for 165 metres, plus a, a stack of defensive work too, so kind of hard to knock that one. But uh, Luke yeah. Brooks got a point. Luke Brooks got yeah. a point? That's why he got. you don't get that. Last year's um, West Tigers game. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, All right, no more jokes for me now. <laughs> I'm just confused because we're talking about the dogs, and I was like, oh. Uh, that was the last year's game where we played them, we yeah. thought Gufferson deserved the point. That's, and, that, and that's what cost him a, yeah, cost him a yeah. split of a daily M. Yeah. Yeah, he had, what, two try-saves that game, a couple of try-assists, and, and didn't get a point. Got a point. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, Isaiah Papali'i, by the season, without a doubt at this point, I think. Uh, I know that some people are pushing for Benji Marshall, but uh, this guy has come on from being, uh, you know, an afterthought bench forward at New, uh, Newcastle, New Zealand. And he is now, his number's just ridiculous. 19 runs for 196 metres, uh, two line-break assists, a try-assist with that great little basketball pass over the Mike Acevo, four tackle busts, 42 tackles. Like, he, he's just a machine. Like, where, where has this kid come from? Yeah, it's um, – when I was at the game, I thought, oh, Papa's had a bit of a quiet one. Yeah, it, it felt like you, that. And then you go and look at the numbers and it's like, what the hell? Because that's just the way he's done it. I, I'm not sure if I expect it from Papa, but, like, the week before I saw him, he's going, oh, wow. You know, against the Raiders, going, oh, wow, what a game. And then this one, he just topped it. And I went, oh, yeah, you know, it was a good game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. 87 post-contact metres, by the by. So he's nearly uh, 50-50 split on how he's getting his metres from post-contact and pre-contact. He's just he's, he's a threat with and without the ball. He's equally at home on the edge or in the middle. And it's just, you know, I think he moved Yeah, he moved to the middle once um, Cartwright come on. Correct. And he was just a menace there. It, it, you know, usually players attack better on the edge. It didn't bother him. Or it didn't seem to bother him. He just, it was, it was a... It reminded me of a performance from 2020 of Ryan Madison. You know, you'd watch the game go, oh, Maddo had a good game. Yeah, you realize, a, oh, that, that is a great 180 point. metres, yeah. 34 it's tackles. like, yeah, Maddo was decent tonight, but, you know, he didn't really stand out that much. Oh, my God, yeah. he went for 150 plus again. Yeah, and it's just, you know, because he just does it professionally, just gets his job done, and that's exactly what Papa did this game. You know, he had that unbelievable standing offload to Sivo where um, I think he had the short ball to Gutho, who also goes through, but um, held it up. You know, in case it was a knock-on or a forward pass, throws it over to Sevo and he scores. So, and uh, I, gu- speak- I oh, guarantee, and I'm one of them that I've legit thought he when I heard the name Papa Lee and I thought, oh, he came from the Warriors. Like Warriors weren't that good; their forwards weren't that good. I thought he was going to be a winning player, and maybe like another Kane Evans. I am so glad to be proven wrong that you know this guy. Like as you said, Warriors. Who comes out of the Warriors and becomes a better player? Usually, you go to the Warriors and your career dies. Essentially, like. You look at their forward pack. Uh, Toe Harris, he, you know, he's nothing. Like, he doesn't do much. Like, I just think as though, I don't know what what's in the water at Parramatta. It must be something different than, you know, just you no know, one saw this coming. And even when 60s was riding in the preseason, I'm like, hang on. You know, if 60s is, you know, going out on the limb on this, he must mean something. And yeah, it's, it's unbelievable what he's doing. You yeah, know, he's a super coach, but he got Yeah, he's an absolute fantasy god at the moment. Um, if you didn't pick him up when he started getting big minutes at Parramatta, you're kicking yourself now. Um, but yeah, 60s was all in on Papa very early in the preseason. It's always great to see a, a young guy come into a club, start strongly in the uh, off-field work or off off the playing field work on the training paddock, 
and then really carry that through to the the real you know game time because he is just killing it. And that's the thing; he is still a young guy. <laughs> Shock, shockingly young, yeah. Shockingly young. How long have we signed him for? Uh, two years. Two. No options Man, or anything, I, just straight two years. I'd be getting another two more years into him, at least, you know, well, make a four-year deal. You'd have to think that uh, off-season extension is forthcoming or a late-season extension. Uh, I don't think the Eels want to let him get uh, too far and be, to be able to talk to other clubs because he is going to be a very, very uh, high-priced commodity <laughs> the way he's going at the moment. Uh, absolute bargain pick up for the Eels. And, you know, he's not just by the immaterial. We're, we're talking actually positional Dally M stuff at this point. He has just been so good. So looking well, forward to That's the only to- thing, you know. You've got him um, starting on the edge or he could even probably start in the middle if we've got a few injuries there. Coming off the bench, you know, you say positional, they base it on Dally M points. But if you're, if you're basing it just on what you're seeing, Papa's got to be in team. You know, after eight rounds, only third of the season, I get that. But so far, he'd be in that forward pack for the team of the year mm-hmm. somewhere. And we uh, we touched on him in relation to uh, a sort of Madison-like performance, but it was Ryan Madison's long-awaited return from a concussion sustained against Melbourne Storm in round two. Did play for the Eels in reserve grade the week before, but he was originally named off the bench, but got the pregame switch to the starting role. But uh, Madison, 14 runs, 115 metres, uh, a ton of defensive work, uh, 38 tackles, just two missed. Uh, a very uh, by-the-books game for Maddo, but probably what, exactly what he needed coming back from that long stint off. That's... You know, you look at those numbers, and again, at the game, I was going, oh, Matto's had a decent game, you know, his average game. 115, probably a little bit below what we expect of him. 38 tackles, two missed, like, in his game back yeah, after a month, a month out. out. Yep. Like, second, and, you know, he's moved back over to the right-hand side where he hasn't trained with Dylan, hasn't trained with Murata at centre. So, obviously, combinations and attack time is going to be a little bit out there and have to simplify that game on the right-hand side, but... You know, if you can pump out a workman's performance like that, you know, do you? And you've got that left side just firing. I suppose you don't really need much more from Maddo other than a workman performance getting through that. Yeah, tackles. and I think that point of balance is great because it means that you know there's someone to pick up the load in another game. You know, where uh, Tom Opacic or or Mitchell Moses might be the you know the stars or the finishers in one game, and it'll be Madison in another. So good to see the big man make his comeback, and, and it yeah. also works well. Because our right side, you know, you've got Dylan Brown loves to take the line on. Maddo doing the working like performance. Murata at centre hitting it up. It sets up that right side so you can set up the metres there, trying yeah, to quick and play the ball. Exactly. There, there's that nice dynamic now. And maybe teams will be able to work it out and we have to switch it up. But like you said, you've got the sort of the the anvil on one side and then the hammer on the other. Like the, doing all the work on the one side and then finishing off on the left. So, yeah, good to see Maddo back. Um, and another player that was named on the bench and played off the bench in the back row, Bryce Cartwright, he did uh, as much as you can do in 44 minutes with just, uh, in terms of like the run numbers, not impressive, seven runs, 60 metres. That was probably the most influential 60-metre game you're going to see from a back rower in some time. Uh, two amazing try assists, uh, just looking very sharp, not overplaying his hand, reading what the defence has given him, making effort plays on kick chases. That is exactly what we want to see from Bryce Cartwright. Mate, when he took that bomb... And then that offload Delaney, I was sitting behind it. I was in the Parramatta section. I went, did, after Celebrant went, did Bryce catch that? Yeah, and sure enough, did it easily. I went, what? <laughs> a second rower out, I know he's a big boy, but a second rower out leaping a, a seasoned veteran winger in Dallin with Tenny's Lesniak. Now, Dallin has his problems, I understand, but he's still a veteran at, at taking bombs. He, he knows how to position himself. And Cardi just robbed him of it. He gave him no chance, and then just to come down and with the poise to not rush the the rush the pass, 
just to get it out there perfectly for Sean Lane. Good effort from another big man backing up there. Uh, he got rewarded for pushing through. And yeah, the two guys uh, combining just after half time to put the Eels ahead further. And then later in the game, after playing down the left, he went for a nice little sortie down the right. And just, yeah, uh, got outside uh, the first defender, caught, uh, created hesitation in the defensive line, and then hits Murata on the chest. <laughs> Nearly dropped it. <laughs> but uh, Murata managed to reel it in and get it down. And just a great flat pass at the line. Uh, just the, the defense didn't know what to do to push up on him and then watch it. have to worry about the offload or to stand off him in slide, which he, he took him on. So they had to then commit. And when they committed, he just read it beautifully and hit the man through the gap. That play was beautifully executed. It was great heads-up play. Dylan, you see him at dummy half. He's waving Cartwright to come around the mm-hmm. back. Quick short ball to Cardi. And then actually, if you watch the front on, Mad- both Maddo and Murata are hitting the same hole. Both of them would have caught, could have caught the ball and gone over. Luckily, Maddo, I suppose, pulled the hands kept out. his hands out of yeah. it but to let Murata stroll through. But both hitting this, you know, for two players hit the same hole and both players would have easily gone through. He even juggled it, Murata. Yeah. <laughs> he like, definitely like, juggled Whoa. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, the pass was right there too, but he just, you know, going into the teeth of the defense can always lead to those sort of uh, bubbles. But thankfully, he got through without uh, letting the ball touch a defender, which means it was legal. And he's yeah, got soft hands, Bryce Cut, right? He it reminds does. me of um, who had soft hands? He's not a Parramatta player. It was um, that ex Penrith player. I can't believe I'm praising him. The prop, Leilani Latu, that's it. Like, he had a perfect uh, soft hands. Like, he could just literally. Popping up for the for the for the charging forward, but yeah, it's it's nice to see that you you hate when they just peg it into someone like that yeah. that try uh, that hole that lane ran against the Canberra like Jesus like <laughs> give him a chance at least you know. Um, one eel who didn't get through the full game was Nathan Brown, um, and there was a lot of concern because he went down like a sniper had taken his head off. Non-contact injury uh, had the trainer come out and he was in agony. Um, seemingly non-contact. Seemingly, sorry, yes, it was non-contact at the time. Um, before uh, a little bit of digging revealed that there was a bit of a preliminary work done the set before by, was it Sue Manafangai or Renoff Tony? Yeah, 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 Ava. Yeah, so uh, as, it, as it happened, it was like the commentary team were just like, was it, is it Achilles, is it ACL? Uh, Brownie was clearly grabbing at his hip, which, is, which admittedly is a bizarre injury to have for a non-contact, especially when he wasn't pushing off violently. Uh, but yeah, grabbing at his hip, so was it a flex or was it a pointer? Um, all sorts. I of, thought it was a dislocation. Yeah, and then then, then yeah. Yeah, I was texting sixties, and he's like, "I hope it's not the Chris Lawrence injury." Um, but then, given that it was a non, like the way he ran, it couldn't have been a hip dislocation uh, because they need to, the amount of force it takes to get a hip out of its socket is very yeah. significant, mm-hmm. which is why it needs to be a really bad tackle or often a car crash. Um, but in this case, yeah, non-contact goes down. Commentary team is befuddled. Everyone's thinking the worst. Uh, NRL physio couldn't actually diagnose it on the spot because he was out uh, looking after his uh, bub, I think. Yeah, uh, so Corey Parker stepped in and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Corey. everyone's like, oh, my God, you know, he's in, he's off contract. What a poor bastard. You know, is that going to tank his value? What's what's going to happen? Does he re-sign out Parramatta or go somewhere else? And then eventually we get the footage, and the set before, Sulmana Fungai had very deliberately raised the knee to the point that I'm actually shocked that he only got a fine. That was a really bad knee raise. Manu um, Mao. Got two weeks against the Cowboys yeah. when he didn't raise his knees. The guy tackled him in his knees. Yeah. yeah. And and so, yeah, obviously got Brownie flush on his hip there. Uh, he pushed for it for a set. And then uh, when the intercept came, he tried to turn. He just had no uh, nothing to go off, and he just collapsed. Um, yeah, as it so happens, we believe that he hasn't actually sustained any serious injuries. NRL Physio eventually did diagnose it and said that uh, historically it's between zero to four weeks. 
uh, depending on the severity. I think he mentioned that Anthony Don did it earlier this year or last year, had a little bit of a supplemental ligament damage that happened too, which meant he was out for four weeks. But um, as it so happens, I think we said pre, pre-pod that Dan Mortimer had done it without missing a game here. Yeah, uh, second round of the finals against the Titans um, off a kick. I actually think he, I think he came back that game. Yeah. So I it, remember there being a big patch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ostensibly Brownie has got a hell of a cork at the moment, um, but he is projected to play in round nine. So uh, spoilers for the spoilers. preview there. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> but yeah, uh, aside from that, um, I was disappointed not to see where remove Greg play. Uh, my, my big boy there having to play 18th man duties, but that meant Hayes got a few minutes on the field. Uh, I thought Sean Lane was pretty solid off the bench in the middle. Um, he had an error, but it wasn't his fault. Guffo, the oh, one the one blemish on Guffo's game was a hospital pass. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a hospital pass and a half. <laughs> which a which led to um, the aforementioned Sul Manafungai absolutely leveling Lane. Uh, not not his fault, though. If he held on to that, that would have been an incredible hold. But thankfully, on the next play, right near Corey and the right edge dealt some uh, revenge. Just yeah, just monstered. What, what, what about him carrying on, uh, Ava, like celebrating the grand final after that hit? Like, come on. Uh, well, and that, that's why it was funny off, watching our boys layer it up a little bit after the, the following scrum where they, they forced them in goals and they definitely had some retaliatory it's, celebrations. It's no West Tiger standing ovation, but, man, come on. Like... Oh, it's pretty close to James Tamo celebrating after oh. a, a win on the weekend. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just general notes. I thought both the wingers are very solid, uh, good work rate. The entire back line up over 120 metres apiece. That's good. Yeah, really, really solid contributions from all of them. Um, Dylan had some nice moments. Uh, you mentioned that he he essentially called them right in near Corey Triham. He was the one that organised it and got everyone in the position. But he also had a couple of really bad lapses. There was a, a play the ball drop, um, a line a line a line break where he got rolled. He rolled over the ball and dropped it. Uh, and he also had a bad, a very rare, I'll say, very rare but bad defensive lapse that led to the Jake Avrilo try. Um, he over overread the line from Avrilo and allowed him to get stepped back on the inside cleanly. So yeah, Dylan can definitely play better, but he is a very young kid. It's so easy to forget how young Dylan is uh, at twenty years of age. So I'm not uh, too upset about that. Mitch and that's the thing, again. like, he's 20 years old. Um, it's his third season of first grade. We had that, had a similar thing with Reed last year where we thought, oh, had that big lull, and people were like, is that, is that his ceiling? Did Paramount need to look at another hooker now? And now and then, Reed, boom. yeah, Reed state is, of origin. He should be state of on, origin. On, on form, he is outplaying Harry Grant, and that's not a knock on Harry Grant. Uh, but yeah, he, he should be right in the mix for state of origin. But yeah, going, oh, I've, got, I've got no problems with Brown, it's just. The occasional error, like yeah. he has one of those that, in, that's, in every that, game. That like is new he, to that is new to his game, though. He he yeah. built his entire junior career on being very polished, uh, never throwing a bad pass to put a man in, in a worse position than him, uh, yeah. and not making silly errors. Just uh, you know, lately, mm, uh, he's it's been, concentration. He's, yeah, he's, exactly. He's, constant. Spending it before he gets it. Like mm-hmm. maybe he's just it's a bit of pressure. Like oh, I need to make something happen, but. Just, you know, ease into it and it'll eventually come. But, like, other than yeah. that, that's the only thing I can think of that he's done bad. Just if you cut those errors out, then he's, you know, he's been good. Yeah, and, and at times there is a little bit of a hesitation to pull the trigger on a pass uh, sometimes, but that's just, you know, once again, experience and gelling of his outside men. So uh, his, his best is definitely ahead of him. And if he is in a slump, I think the Eels can carry him through it. Um, with the other three members of his spine playing such good football at the moment, I'm not too concerned. And yeah, general notes, boys. I know it wasn't pretty, but it is the best win we've had against the Dogs for a number of years. I think dating back to maybe 2016. Uh, I can't recall. I'm, I remember reading the pregame stuff for the tip sheet. Uh, and in our last 10 encounters, I think it was like going back a few years to get to the, like a 20-point victory. 
So good to see that. Um, the win actually helps the Eels stay in second place and narrow the gap on the Penrith Panthers in terms of for and against. I think we're down 40 going into this round, uh, coming into that round, and um, we're now down 29. So 152 from Penrith for 123 for Parramatta. 123 yeah. is actually still only the fourth best differential. The top five are just so far ahead of everyone else in the competition. Oh, my God. <laughs> Penrith, 152. Roosters, 136. Storm, 134. Parramatta, 123. Rab- Rabbitohs, 111. And then the next best is four. It's four. Well, I saw I saw a stat today. Uh, the Gold Coast Titans are the first team after round eight to be in the top yeah. four with only three wins. Yeah. The, the golf between fifth and the rest of the competition, it's already four points. You know, and, they want to talk about wild cards in a top ten. Look at a top I, six, I, I reckon. I don't know why the, <laughs> there's always talk about changing the competition. But then again, this is the same administration that wanted to bring in new rules every season. So oh, it makes not sense. Every season, every six months, yeah. every three months. It makes, it we, makes we sense. We need a draft. We need a conference. We need a relegation. We need a promotion. We need everything, man. We bring the bring the whole thing in, I, and eventually, I will. I will say, I had guilty pleasure watching the three sixty panel. Absolutely, uh, uh, take the Mickey out of Buzz Rothfield about his big article. Oh, that, that, that's good. That's <laughs> dumb. I'm a big fan of English football, and yeah, it's tradition yeah. over there. Who's the biggest reserve grade team we've got over here? Wenny leagues. Like Redcliffe like, Dolphins, like I, I mean, of course, QR is a bit different. I don't give, really give a shit about those rednecks. But in <laughs> New South Wales, like, like Wenty League is probably the biggest club. Like Paul Kent said, oh, okay, if that happened last year, then there's no Cowboys and there's no Broncos this year. <laughs> like, and then, and then, then he said, oh, "What about the players going down?" He goes, "Like they'll go to like a draft system." So he goes, "The players what? just go down." And like he's just yeah. So uh, essentially, know, if just, if your club gets relegated, ham. All your players become free agents and can sign up anyone else, and then you have to yeah. get your way back into the competition from from second tier. Like, I understand. Like I want to talk about this for two seconds. Yeah, yeah go. Yeah. In English football, if yeah, some players have clauses that they can get released. Put it, why are we obsessed with the draft? Oh. Why are people obsessed with the draft? I don't understand. The, the draft because people look at the NFL draft in particular because there's also NBA drafts and uh, baseball drafts, MLB drafts, and even hockey drafts. The, the NFL draft is the pinnacle in terms of content. It, it is massive. It, it rates as big as any other sporting event across the course of three days. And it's a lot of Hollywood spectacle. It adds a lot of uh, like strategic lays to negotiations. You can trade draft picks and whatnot. But it, the thing is that the NFL was built on the draft. The NRL yeah. was built on clubs. And Exactly. It, the it, NFL, correct me if I'm wrong, please correct me if I'm wrong. I said this in the Discord. Collegiate sports were first. They were before the NFL, the ML- yeah. MLB. That was before – those were after the co- – yeah. so those college athletes had to go somewhere to play professional sports. It didn't work the reverse way, which the NRL has. Yeah. yeah. So it's a case of trying to – why there's a draft over there. Yeah, it is very much a case of trying to, to fix something that is not broken in Australia. Uh, you know, and people complain about not having enough juniors. The Sydney Roosters are literally the best team in the, in the competition or one of the best teams – and they've managed to find a way to work around not having a strong junior base. And they still have strong juniors. That's the thing is they don't have a huge junior base, but they've got strong juniors. That's because they develop players. That's right. They At a young age, they're scouting aggressively and recruiting young kids that you know fit whatever athletic profiles they need and, and projections they have for skill positions. And then they're doing a great job developing them. So you, sometimes you, do, you don't need huge amounts of quantity. And it's oftentimes it's a curse for Penrith and Parramatta to have to take on the vast uh, workload of developing these kids because, you know, they're, they're putting a lot of resources into kids they know that they can't keep but help the NRL, you know, work, which is fine. Yeah. It's fine. And then also it's not just developing from a 15, 16, 18 age. 
developing a 20-year-old that you've brought over from the Warriors, Maradine Kore. Yeah, exactly. It's developing a 26-year-old you've got down from the Townsville Blackhawks, Andrew Davey. Mm-hmm. It's developing those players too. It's, development doesn't stop at age 20. Exactly. Age 21. Exactly. It never stops. And that, that's part of the reason why teams like the Roosters in Melbourne have been so successful is that they've augmented their superstars with those development guys, the senior development guys, Ham. And it's something that the Eels have capitalized on in recent years as part of their resurgence. As you literally mentioned, those guys there, and before them, Kenny Edwards and Manu Ma'u, all those guys. You know, there, there is so much development that goes on being from just being a, a junior. Anyway, um, that makes for a great podcast topic. <laughs> that's maybe, yeah, maybe when, <laughs> maybe when Hamish is back, we can do a roundtable on this. Um, and really get into it, but yeah. I think there's a few roundtable discussions were brought up. There's the uh, eight eight man bench. There's mm-hmm. the changing of the system. There's a few things. But we're yeah. intellectuals on this podcast. It might not seem like <laughs> it. <laughs> but closing the books on round eight, the Parramatta Eels thirty two defeating the Canterbury Bulldogs ten. Like we said, it lifts the Eels back up into second. They actually entered that game in fourth place uh, provisionally uh, with both the Storm and the Rabbitohs winning. But they yeah, they're a live ladder. <laughs> the live ladder. They love the spruker. <laughs> Nothing says I need content like the Fox Sports <laughs> live ladder. Yeah. But yeah, Eels back into second place. Uh, only one defeat on the season to date, just against St. George Lord Dragons, seven and one. Going absolutely great guns. How the um, fuck how do we lose to them spuds on the weekend? They played their Seriously. grand they played their grand final against us, Bertie. They, 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 they A, they turned up and played hard for 80 minutes, and B, they uh, exploited the referee's ability to control the game. They played uh, very aggressively in defense to the point that they were cheating offside, which is not a criticism of the Dragons. That is good coaching and good gamesmanship. But yeah, that's how they beat us. And we just were a little bit below par. And that's what happens when you come against a team that the Dragons aren't a bad team in terms of talent. Um, and you know, obviously they played like dog shit on the weekend against the West Tigers. But yeah, they played at their absolute maximum capacity against us. Uh, that, um, yeah, but so hey, I, I did have a question for the pod. Correct. And yes. only now, on the second Ham, day of the I, I will I'll qualify what's happening here. Ham told us he had a question. He did not tell us what the question is. We have had no prep. So this is going to be completely raw reactions here. None whatsoever. So I saw a few comments online um, saying, why did we swap Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown if Mitchell can just swing around the back of the ruck and kick from the right side of the ruck? All right. So I put it to you too, and I put it to all the pod listeners, all the tens of you out there. <laughs> Um, did we really change the halves side for their kicking game? Now, think about that for half a second. My reasoning behind this and the reason behind the question is dummy half Reed Marnie, right-handed. His natural way of passing is right to left. So that's why where would you want your dominant playmaking half on his left-hand side? That's not a terrible, yeah, that's not a terrible yeah. theory. Because I did, I did mention last year – um, and there, was, there was a brief period when we were losing games where our, our dummy half, the, the play the balls or the ball, the balls coming out of dummy half were pretty slow. And I, and I thought I was on read, but mate, you might to, have just cracked the code. But to, when you get off his eight year contract, because when he's going right where Mitchell used to be, is yeah, it, you know, Reed is very a very good part of the ball, and his left to right pass is still very good. His spiral's very good that way, but still that natural right to left pass. Will be a lot better. Will be a lot cleaner. Will be a lot crisper. That's why I think Mitchell's gone gangbusters. He was going gangbusters before his calf uh, injury last year. He's going better this year. He's leading the team. He's doing all that sort of stuff. And I think Dill is—he's not getting like you know. I'm talking about say on the right side, the pass efficiency is like say 95. percent Let's just say that on the right side, it's 90. percent Just that little drop could be why Dill's in a bit of a slump. I reckon. 
Well, you only have to look at the Gufferson. Like, there's, there's one. I don't know which way he does, but he he can't pass that direction. It's like it's like horrendous, and he tends to throw a forward pass all the time. I think it's his right to left. Yeah, he's right to left. He doesn't that left. He's uh no, he's right to left. He's got the spiral. Oh, left to sorry. right's a bit off. Yeah, he literally has to rot like rotate his hips and shoulders, and it looks like, it looks unco. But yeah, you know that could you know that could be a. So I don't it's, think a, it's an interesting point. And, and comments add- online going, oh, well, why did we swap the sides when Mitchell just swings behind the ruck? Well, maybe Brad Arthur has played a bit of ducks and drakes by saying, I oh, would put Dylan on that side for his kicking game. He's not the dominant kicker. There's so a lot of, there, there are a lot of lays to it. I think you're absolutely spot on him. And I think you add Mitchell to a team on the left to a team that has a, a predilection to attacking to the left. We like using Mike Acevo as our sort of uh, our lead red zone weapon. Um, as I probably he's emerged as a great option on the left too. Uh, and also the the other positive of, of switching him around, aside from the kicking and aside from getting Mitch to be more involved on the faster side of with Reed's passes, is that Dylan helps shore up that right edge defensively, where we've had most of our issues in defense. You know what's funny? After the Panthers trial, um, I think it was Bray Finast and a few others were like mentioning, oh, why did Brad right Arthur switch them? You know, it, it's a terrible idea. And after round four, he's saying this is a brilliant idea. That's you know, he's actually classic, the classic like, brain. <laughs> it just—it's just amazing what happens after a loss, <laughs> like in that trial game. Oh, why they switch? Because we—because in that yeah. trial game, we had zero attack, and like you know, that could be a multiple issues. But like, it's just at, at first people it was set up to be like a doomsday thing, and then now you know he's apparently Brad Arthur's masterstroke. So All right. that's why just everyone needs to take a breath, count to ten before they write a comment online or. I mean, I'm not sure if Brayton's a, a lot of a lot of issues online would be fixed, Ham, if people actually took your advice and had a deep breath and counted ten before posting something to social media. But uh, let's uh, get less of that and more of other reviews because that wasn't the only action on the weekend. We had uh, three other grades in play, starting with the Harold Matthews Grand Final. Unfortunately, the Eels did not prevail. A very good Manly Seagulls outfit defeated them twenty to four to twelve out at Leichhardt Oval on Saturday uh, for the Seagulls. Roy Kiros Mapasua. Revelation CO, Samuel Afainu, Calvin Levy, and Josh Feldy scored. Just uh, two from five for the conversions between Ollie Cummings and TJ Herring. For the Eels, Declan Murray and Blaze Talungi scored. Ethan Sanders was two from two from the kicking tee. Um, yeah, this was a tough one, Ham. Manly, obviously, we knew they were a very good outfit coming into this game, the number one ranked team in the regular season. Uh, a lot of great individual stars versus the Eels, who played throughout the season more of a, a collective team performance. But on the day... Uh, I think Manly played a pretty good game, a team game as well as their star step, um, stepping up to. Yeah, I um I had to turn off at halftime because of uh, going out to the Jersey flag. So I was watching on the stream and, you know, just Manly, they were rolling forward. Um, their forward, their forward yeah, pack were phenomenal. It was probably the difference, honestly. I know yeah, that they gave... Uh, that first uh, 30 minutes gave us no chance, gave yeah. us no hope. Um, Latu I was glad to hear that the, the boys did score two tries because uh, it didn't look like they were going to score any, so... Yeah, Latu Fano got me in the match, but their forward pack were very, very good and really had them with all the uh, field ascendancy, positional ascendancy uh, for a long time. It was um, dug in and held on, and it was um, only on the back of a couple of errors or penalties that they scored those opening tries against them. Uh, sorry, the Seagulls scored against Parramatta. Uh, so in another on another game, another day, you know, a little bit better discipline. Maybe they can hold out and then uh, grind out the win. But, you know, Manly, we can't, like I said, we came to this game knowing that Manly were very good and they were deserved winners when all was said and done. And it capped off a, a still a very good campaign for the Parramatta Eels in the Harold Matthews. Uh, a really fun team to watch, very uh, well drilled for their age group. Um, and I'm going to be very interested to see how these prospects uh, progress into the SG ball, except for Blaze Talungi, who is going to be 
uh, Matt's eligible next year and he's going to be probably the, the fulcrum or the central figure for that team in 2022. Yeah, it's just, you know, I'm sure none of them listen to this and if you are, why? You're under the age of 18. This is an 18 only <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, look, it's not the end of your development. It's not the end of the career. It's only the start of it. So very good work exactly. on um, only having two losses in the year. Um, another day could have had could have had them. So I'm mm-hmm. um, just got to work towards that next year and then um, – yeah, hope, hopefully you go again. And moving on to another game on Saturday. This one was the curtain raiser to the NRL game, uh, the Jersey flag. A very un-Jersey flag-like scoreline as the Parramatta Eels prevailed 12-8 to over the Canterbury Bulldogs. For the Dogs, Eli Clark and Latia Mossadreki scored. No conversions for the blue and white, but for the blue and gold, Jaden Yates and Tavita Masmel for another long-range interception uh, oh. scoring. Uh, Schneider adding the two conversions to be the difference, 12-8. to uh, Eels down 8-6 at half time. I was not out to see this one, Ham, so I'm going to leave this all to you. But uh, yeah, like I said, a very un-Jersey flag scoreline. Uh, you say very un-Jersey flag scoreline, but a very Jersey flag way <laughs> to win. <laughs> That's it. It was just, it was a cutout ball. It was there to be picked off. Um, very lucky and very happy that Tavita Massimo, who's probably, I'd say, the quickest in the team, caught it, just raced away, never looked like being caught, scored under the posts. Um, it's very hard to to judge this game because I, I'm not a big fan of Stadium Australia, for, uh, a.k.a. ANZ Stadium. Oh, no, not a.k.a. FKA, formerly known as. Um, it's just it's too long of a distance, and I'm just I'm still getting used to the players and everything, but to win 8-12, to 12, and I think the Dogs had a fair bit of possession and um, position, uh, very good field position there. So um, good on the Eels for keeping them out, toughing it out, and getting the four-point victory. I, th- I actually think it was well-deserved, even though um, the try did come from a long-range intercept. Yeah, and like we said before, back-to-back weeks with long-range interception tries for uh, Tavita Massimo, the utility playmaker. So he's doing all right. Uh, and yeah, and once again, this is a team with a lot of young kids in it. So to the fact that they're holding their own in this grade, if I just quickly pull up the ladder here, I think they're in sixth place, if I'm not mistaken, Jersey flag. Yeah, Eels in sixth place. They actually uh, pulled equal if the dogs on wins, but the dogs do have a draw in their favour still, but they keep in touch with the uh, the competition leaders who are a couple of wins ahead of them in Penrith. But yeah, well, um, that thing, when you got five out of the 17 <laughs> yeah. players, SG Ball. SG Ball eligible, and one of them actually a year young for SG Ball level. So uh, Jabril Kalachi could go again in SG Ball mm-hmm. next year. Uh, I don't think he it will. It seems unlikely that he will now, yeah, given he's starting in the flag. Yeah, and you know what? You, you, look, at, you look at him out there, you wouldn't think that he's not um, – Flag, flag, oh, no, flag but yeah, Jabril's got great size, size and athleticism. Yep. Yeah, very intriguing prospect, Jabril Kalachi. can play in the halves or at centre. Uh, got good at, good to great athleticism, and he's just a young kid. So well done to the Eels. Uh, very solid victory. Um, and yeah, it keeps them pushing into the, the top six. So great stuff. And then on Sunday, uh, this one out at Aubrey Keach Reserve, right next to Mounties League Club. Uh, no, it's, it actually isn't. It isn't? I thought it was. No. No, no, you're thinking of a uh, different field. My bad. So, Aubrey Kitch Reserve, <laughs> definitely not next to Mounties Leagues Club. No one ever said that. I don't know who would say that. Uh, the Eels travelled to take on Mounties, who were actually the Canterbury-affiliated team in the New South Wales Cup. And uh, Eels went down 34-26 to 26 in a game that was really decided in the first 10 minutes, really, uh, 11 minutes, uh, where the Eels did well to fight back after conceding three quick tries for an 18-0 deficit. But uh, they just, yeah, they didn't understand that you could actually defend kicks in that first 10 minutes. I don't know what happened. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, 
I'm not going to crucify Perham because I'm, I'm not sure if fullback is in his. Uh, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on the first Lock and Lewis try. He copped a pretty rough bounce. Yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, where Lewis chipped ahead and the ball just uh, took a mean off break to his right or, or to Lewis's right. And Perham was also his right because he, he turned around. But yeah, then just some. He had problems diffusing kicks at the start as well. It was just a really sloppy start from the Eels. Eventually, they managed to battle back really like impressively, um, which saw uh, Ellie Elzakaham. Hayes Dunster, Jacob Arthur, Sean Russell, and Jordan Rankin all score. Uh, Rankin going three from five. So there were some good signs in the fight back. And, and like we've been saying, this is a, a very fun team to watch because they've got so much spirit and resolve for a young and inexperienced roster. And in another another team could have easily been enrolled by 15 that game when you get down 18 nil in, in 10 minutes. You know, you're potentially up for a cricket score. But they dug their heels in and fought back into the game. Um, and just trying to think of some key moments. Um, Hayes Dunster had a really nice long-range try. Oh, that come from the work from Will Penasini. Yeah, Will Penasini had a, a great little run and then had the uh, wherefore to figure out that he was not going to get there from about uh, 40, from 60 metres out, sorry, and pass it to Hayes, who just showed some real gas. Uh, I thought that uh, it was a mixed bag from Rankin and Arthur. They just had a couple of uh, bad drops apiece, I think, and, and lapses defensively, I think, for Rankin. That sort of hurt the team. But, yeah, I, I liked Hayes. Um, Greg worked really hard throughout the entire game. Uh, Elzacam's been really pleasant, actually, on the edge. He's been a nice hole runner, um, and he had a, a nice little offload, too, for a try assist. And then on the bench, I thought Charvel Tassipala came into the game late and had some nice energy. But yeah, the, Well, you look, um, just quickly, we removed Greg, 15 runs, 168 yeah, metres. The, the big man worked very hard in that game. Uh, and and uh, you could tell late in the game, I saw Mounties put up a big bomb, and boy, was he sucking in the big ones. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah, was obviously trying to pump big minutes into Greg as they get him up to his peak capacity, which we won't really see until 2022 when he gets a full preseason. But uh, I give him plenty of credit because he is uh, trying his guts out for the Eels wherever he plays, whether it's first grade or reserve grade. Um, but yeah, the big man obviously got a lot of potential, but we're still trying to maximize it. But yeah, the, the Eels did well to get back into this game. It sucks that they lost, but they still do um, finish around in the top four on four and against, just by two points against the Raiders. Yeah, so um, the, this this grade is trending as well as I could hope to be. It would have been nice to get the win, but once again, factoring in the inexperience across the roster, um, especially in some key positions, and the fact that they've had you know guys coming up and down from the grades via injury and and promotion and whatnot. Uh, I think that Ryan Carr and his group of men and young men have done a great job so far. And that is the review as it uh, was for the round eight of the flag uh, cup and NRL. And obviously the end of the Harold Matthews, unfortunately, which means going forward there's only three grades, but we will touch on another grade just shortly, which could be coming to the Eels at the end of the year. Uh, so let's go on to the news, uh, starting off with the club statement on uh, an unnamed player and the integrity unit, the NRL um, have fined the Parramatta Eels player five thousand uh, dollars for their unwilling role or unwitting role um, in a recent sex tape that was uh, uh, published or known about by the press. Um, the Eels, not, I don't think the Eels, the Eels, the NRL, are going to comment any further, which means that the uh, case is closed. Which is very nice to see the NRL moving in a swift manner without being uh, too overbearing. You could argue that the five K fine is pretty rough as it stands for a person that wasn't actually guilty of the um, of the sex tape. Uh, or of at least uh, promoting the sex tape, sorry. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy for the Eels and the NRL that it's all done. Uh, what was your take on that, boys? Uh, my take was the media surrounding it. Um, Definitely milking it. <laughs> That's- uh, not just milking it. I heard on one of those shitty breakfast TV shows, I think it was Sunrise, I think it was David Koch, saying, oh, it's, it's sexual assault. Mate, as, as I said before, <laughs> take a breath oh, wow. and find out the facts 
before you comment because this is this was a big thing and it's very sensitive issue. And well, consent is it? Consent is a huge thing at the point in terms of public discourse. And uh, like from what we currently know, between the two individuals in that cubicle was consensual. Mm-hmm. What happened outside of that cubicle and on, the filming of wasn't consensual, yeah, which is the huge issue, and it's why uh, the the integrity unit did not come down and apply with the hammer because they're the victims as much as anything else. Absolutely, and I'll just say this: the people saying, "Oh, it's not," you know, you can't have sex in a public toilet. They're behind a closed door. They're in a private establishment. That I mean, it's, you know, you can't if if I'm ta- basic human decency, right? And to not be a dickhead and film them like that. And the thing is, I'm I'm going to be a bit crass here. If I'm having a shit behind a public door, if I'm a footy player, I'm having a shit behind a public door. Someone films me. That's not the same as me having a shit on the street behind a public door. Mm-hmm. So it's a private area. Yeah, and like I said, you could argue that the five k fine was perhaps even even a bit too overbearing, but. Uh, the fact that there wasn't anything further than that is, you know, an indication of the fact that uh, every party involved except for the filmer um, is not to blame. And thankfully, we can move on from that now without having to worry about uh, it derailing the team as it sort of uh, any sort of punishment hanging over the, over the head. Uh, I just wonder what by. the media backlash would have been if it was homosexual sex. That's interesting. That That is an interesting hypothetical, um, but... Uh, Probably not the time to bring it up. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm just, just trying to think, like... <laughs> How how they would how they would actually try and market that the media because yeah that, that is actually an interesting hypothetical but um yeah but like I said thankfully the um the issue is now resolved for the eels and said player and they can move forwards um, and hopefully get that dog that filmed them yeah well that that goes about saying that if the police and the NRL or the NRL and the police can catch whoever did that um the full weight of the law should come upon them because that is just like a very very low act and I did say dog I not in any way assuming or alleging that it's a Canterbury Bulldogs player that filled it. It was a busy week for statements for the uh, Parramatta Eels, though. Um, and this one probably more pleasing for Parramatta fans. Oh, that one was pretty pleasing, I suppose. Um, you know, once again, only 5K fine, no suspensions. Great. But uh, today, uh, the Parramatta Eels issued a club statement about Michael Jennings or Mr. Jennings, as they referenced him in the, the statement. Legalese. We need, yeah. This is why we need the lawyer yeah. on the podcast. Buddy Hamish, in our time of need, he abandoned us. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a, a couple of paragraphs there, but I'll just, the gist of it is the Parramatta Eels and Michael Jennings have agreed today to bring an end to the terms of Mr. Jennings' playing contract. Uh, Jennings is the subject of an ongoing process with SIA, Sports Integrity Australia. Uh, some talk about his role for the club over five years. And uh, the Eels do not consider that Mr. Jennings would intentionally take performance-enhancing substances. Um, however, in recognition of the SIA process, um, and it will take some time to play out, uh, the club and Jennings have agreed to part ways because Jennings wishes to allow the team to fill his position and have the best 21 and 22, 2021-22 seasons possible. Uh, I believe the in a further media release, or media release, a piece of media from the Daily Telegraph or City Morning Herald, um, it's speculated the Eels will now have $200,000 uh, to use in 2021 and then the full weight of Jennings contract in 2022 as they see fit how the Eels use this space and uh, and roster spot remains to be seen um, obviously they've been linked to Tony Staggs and Dane Gagai in recent weeks neither of them are going to help in 2021 or you, you'd think neither of them are going to help I don't know if you're going to manage to get a release for Dane, Dane Gagai or Tony Staggs uh, but yeah what do you make of this boys it's been coming for a while um, how do you think the Eels approach having the roster spot and cap space perhaps more than anything else? Well, that's the thing. I'm wondering, where do we sign? Like, who do we sign? Do Because there's no point promoting 
any D6 players because they can play in two rounds anyway. So. Exactly. It, 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 doing that would be an, an act of good faith towards, you know, a long-term, you know, contract sort of thing. Like, you know, you get Sean Russell up or, or whoever and, and, you know, you were saying it's a, a vote of faith in you. Whereas if you're more committed to winning in 2021, there's other moves you'd make. Yeah, and I'm just thinking like fullback we've got cover between Gutho, Smith, Perham now. Backs are a bit iffy. Maybe we go for an outside back, but I'm not sure if we block someone there. Um, our halves are fine. Our halves are fine, I reckon. Our middles are the best. They're just the best, the best, the best. They're, they're already top tier without Murata playing in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Um, our edge is unbelievable. Our bench is unbelievable. Our depth is very good. So I'm just wondering, like, we've got three spots now. Well, what's the luxury spot then? I suppose you, you look at the centres then because that's what – the Katoni Staggs courtship yeah. says to me is that we're looking for a, a blockbuster weapon out wide in a luxury position. But then again, who can you go get? You, you have to get someone to break contract, whether it's Staggs or someone else. Um, I don't know. And do you sign a starter? Like, is, do we just go and sign another Hayes Perham? Sorry, uh, with Hayes Perham, that was 29, so I think we're back to 28. Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Who we sign, I have no idea. I would like us to use it, and I don't think we'll be um, – Bringing up a development plan. I, I, I guess don't. You gotta, sorry, buddy. You go. Sorry, I guess you got to look at it like is it is it short term? Like because like you can look at it short term. or oh, we need someone for this year. But what do we think about long term? Like thinking, all right, we know Fergus not going to be so Hayes is going to take his spot. Who, like who is our who is our winger four? Like and who is our winger five? Like you understand? Like do you trust um Naiduki to make the step up? Do you trust who's the other winger? Oh, Hayes. Yeah, do you trust him? That's what I'm trying to think because like if you remember in the semifinals. You know, we, we had no Sivo, no Fergo, and look what happened. Is that true? Yeah, look what happened. Yeah, against the Rabbitohs, we had no Sivo, no Fergo, and then on the day of the final, no Jennings. Yeah, so I'm Birdie, thinking... you've just given me an idea in my brain. Well, the cheapest option, the cheapest, <laughs> let's be honest, the cheapest players would be wingers. You know, the, the, there's, there's plenty of them in reserve grade or other teams. Like The, the other option available to the Parramatta Eels too, and I think it works logistically, I'm not 100% certain though, is that if they end up re-signing Mitch Moses, hopefully... <laughs> Uh, on which there's been positive news this week, so far as the club and the, the club and the player coming together to get, sort of knuckle out the the final details. Um, you you could provisionally front load his from his deal with that extra cap space, so he would sign the extension. You'd top up his 2021 uh, wage, and then you take that, you subtract that from the you know the lifetime of his due uh, contract elsewhere. So you'd save yourself two hundred thousand dollars down the road. Um, That's boring. That is boring. So Bert, you, Birdie, uh, Birdie gave me an idea in my brain. Yeah, are you ready to? Oh, and he mentioned it, and it percolated. And said, you're who ready could to we share? use? Who could we? And he goes wingers, and then he mentions Naiduki, and he mentions Sevo. How about we bring the prodigal son home? Hashtag bring. I think, back. I think he's got a court case soon. Oh, I sorry, wrong guy. No, no, he's, he, he's talking about he's talking about, a, he's talking about a different Fijian. Different way. Different See, fashion. our ham is a glass, glass, a glass yeah. half full. Bring or, back Etu Nabuli. What? A, a glass, <laughs> a glass semi full kind of guy, right? No, no, I know what you mean. Well, hang on. Didn't we say like two years ago? I think Brad Arthur said, "Yeah, we got money left there for semi, and obviously it didn't eventuate." But we still got money. We got more money now. We got, we got <laughs> that money. We got Denko's money. Got so much. We money. got money we haven't spent. We got money coming out of our bloody rear ends. We're gonna get some soon. Allegedly, I've heard allegedly. Semi's missing home, and guess where home is? Parramatta. Parramatta, baby. So, and what's better than one Fijian winner? Everybody on Twitter, two Fijian winners. Para Eels. Hang on, on a serious note, like, is there anyone right now in in the back line who's actually played with Semi at Para? Like, I don't remember. Did Moses play with Semi? 
Guffo played. Moses it? did because 2017. Yeah. Guffo did 2017. But the rest of the back line, no. Yeah. Can you imagine on what the rest of the, the rest of the t- is- who's there from the 2017 team? Oh, for four, Brownie Junior. Brownie, yeah. Brownie Junior wasn't with us. Was he in Canberra? Yeah. Oh, junior but, wasn't with us, but Junior Junior this? did play semi. Semi yeah, was at the club. Like, uh, but yeah, from the 2017 team, Dylan was at the club, but he wouldn't have played. Obviously not Reg. Reed was at the club, but he wouldn't have played. Maddo was not at the club. He was at the Roosters at that time. Kafusi was at the club. Kafusi was, yeah. Lane wasn't. Hayes was. So there's there's a lot of young kids in the team now, but yeah. they wouldn't have played with Sammy. Imagine, imagine a back five. Guffo, Semi. Oh, that's enough. Stop there. I'm done. I'm done. Penaseni, Wonga Blake, uh, <laughs> and say Sivo on one side or Hayes done. So can you imagine that back five? Like I'm talking, Ooh. mate. We Look, are. The game, and, and another factor, the game just lost Brett Morris. It needs another star winger back. It needs Make it a happen. winger. Make it happen. Peter Valandis, you want to change the rules, change the rules so that we can sign Sammy. <laughs> the fans want it. The people want it. I want it. You want it. Get it done. And when it does happen, just let, we're going to let everyone know that we brought it to attention. All right? We started the whole, we started the trend. <laughs> the Power Podcast not, is too powerful. Not Danny Widler, not Jamie, James Hooper. Not Jamie Soward. <laughs> Jamie Soward. Maybe if we get Sammy, we can move up from fourth place in the Southwest Bowies. Um, but yeah, and- that's uh, Ham. You're going to finish it off? No. Okay, I was all right. I thought I thought I heard Ham uh, say something before I cut in. So no. Uh, okay, uh, that's no. not. There's one more piece of news, unless I've missed something. Uh, final piece of news, which is provisionally good news to Parramatta Eels, um, and it means that we might have another team to watch in 2021. But the NRL is expected to fast track expansion in the NRLW for this year. Uh, by adding two more teams. Uh, there's a whole number of applicants from existing NRL clubs for those two spots, but the front runners seem to be the Gold Coast Titans and the Parramatta Eels. Uh, so it would be very cool to have a, a ladies' team to support in the back end of the season. The NRLW has been really fun to watch in general, and having our own team in that competition would be amazing. Absolutely. Get on board. Get, give us semi, give us NRLW. That's right. Semi <laughs> NRLW. We want it, damn it. Whew. Give us re- give us relegation. Give us fucking oh drive. <laughs> that's it, buddy. I'm cutting All you right, off, buddy. damn it. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I think that's the end of the NRL news for Parramatta Reels. Um, yeah. is, that, is that the end of the Parramatta, Parramatta news? I, I mean, we've yeah, mentioned... We've, um, we've been... Uh, you know, there's more references to Katoni Staggs. Yeah, um, I, I think... Uh, James, not James Hooper, but uh, Pete Bedell from the Courier Mail said that we've pulled our offer... Adrian Prashenko just now in the City Morning Herald says that we still have an offer on the table to him, but he is expected to, or he's not expected, but he's leaning towards re-signing with the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, oh, uh, it's rumoured by David Riccio that we've re-signed David Hollis for two years. Oh, correct. Good, good. yeah, good call there. Is that David Riccio, Daily Telegraph journalist, I believe, uh, posted on Twitter that the uh, Warhope weapon, uh, Dave Hollis, has re-upped for two years of the Eels, which is good news. Uh, Dave, he's a, a very good front row prospect that just needs a bit more time to grow onto his frame. So I think from next year onwards, we're going to start seeing him start to get the uh, the slow burn NRL treatment as we want to do with our middle forwards. Don't want to burn them out too young. So very good news there. And yeah, I'm just quickly going to browse through the Parramatta Eels, see if there's any news. Not really. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Okay. So that's the new section done on the previews. Uh, is there any NRL news? I mean, the potential retirement of Brett Morris, which probably plays into our preview too. I was devastated to see that. Um, Really wasn't happy if the camera's been right on him as he's screaming in agony. Uh, yeah, I thought that, that was, I thought that was a bit on the nose. Um, but yeah, B Moz is an absolute legend. Of the game, um, regardless of what team colours he wears, he has always been really fun to to follow. Um, I 
played the game the right way, was, you know, obviously very talented, but worked his ass off to become, you know, one of the best players in his position. Um, and always played the game in the right spirit. Um, you know, for New South Wales, would play through injury. Uh, when he met his brother as a dra- when there was a dragon and a bulldog, they split off from the dragons. They had that great mock fight when there was an actual fight going on. Um, like I said, great bloke. And he'll go down as a, a modern great for sure. So he might not be done yet, but uh, it, it is devastating to watch him do his knee. So my condolences, Brett. I don't know if you listen to the Parrot podcast, but um, well, you, if he does, you you are you are a bloody champion, <laughs> a bloody champion. And I, I don't like using the term role model for sports players because they hate it too. But he is the the model of what a, a player should aspire to be in terms of maximizing their career and being and being an ambassador for the game. I mean, you got Ricky Stewart going at it with someone's wife, like. Well, like, the, like, the, sorry. Let me just say, hey, you got, if we're talking, if we're talking roundtable, if we're talking roundtable topics, the capitulation, the Raiders might be up on the the itinerary as well. Because geez, oh, that'll be a fun one. I there is something cooking. In, we might have broken them, boys. We might have actually broken the Canberra Raiders. <laughs> Add that but, to the list of the Broncos, oh, and yeah, we've got we've got Papali'i uh, and uh, taking down the Super a, League One team. <laughs> tapping his tapping his partners coming out on social media, putting the boot into the club. There's now talk that their halfback wants to go home because he's homesick. There's talk that their hooker is being courted by the Brisbane Broncos. What the hell? We broke him. Hey, Penrith Panthers, you're up next, boys. Okay. <laughs> Parramatta Eels are coming to break up the Super League. <laughs> All righty, let's get into the previews because we are starting the run on, starting with the Jersey flag, which takes place on its own on Saturday. It's not the, the curtain raiser this week. Out at Ring Rose Park, the Parramatta Eels will be playing host to the Sydney Roosters. Uh, I think the Eels come into this round ranked six on the ladder with the Roosters eighth. So uh, Eels probably slightly favoured heading into this uh, contest. Uh, a relatively unchanged lineup for the Eels. Clayton Farlolo at fullback. Solomon Inoduki and Fruin Ishope on the wings. Jabril Kalachi and Jaden Skinner in the centres. Tavita Massima and Kyle Schneider in the halves. Front row that reads Dave Hollis, Ethan LeBlanc and Jack Colavati. A back row, it's Oliver Clemens, Peter Tatio, and Jaden Yates. On the bench, Caleb Toey, the big hyphen, Jonte Jr., Beth Mesa, Lennox Whitaker, and Brock Parker, who comes back, I presume, from injury? Maybe suspension? I don't know. They don't tell us in the jersey flag. With another SG ball prospect and Larry Moaga Tatia as the 18th man. Uh, this one, 5 feet kickoff ring rows. I think I'll be out there, Ham. We haven't got any uh, clashes this week, do we? If you're out there, I'll be out there. It's going to be it's a pretty rough. I mean, I'm only 20 minutes from ring Yeah, rows, so, so r- ring rows is always fun to get out to. I love going out to... The uh, yeah. Wenty Stomping Ground. And it might actually be a good place to watch because when you have a very good stadium or stand there, so I might go out. Yeah, and uh, knock on wood, I believe TCT might have something in the wood in the makings for this and the uh, New South Wales Cup this week. So we're waiting to see logistically for we have clearance, but uh, we might be able to do audio streams for these games, uh, assuming they're not televised, which the flag games are never televised. So, is that some breaking news on the Para podcast? Uh, maybe. Breaking it before it's on the tip sheet. <laughs> <laughs> so 60s might end up skinning me for that. But uh, provisionally, I believe we do have uh, uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> the, not license because they're not official, but we do have the go-ahead to do audio broadcasts for non-streamed, non-televised uh, New South Wales Rugby League content. So knock on wood, we can get it done for the flag this week. be very, very cool. <clears throat> Moving on to the actual curtain raiser for NRL this week, which takes place at Friday, 5.25 kickoff at Bank West. Uh, the Parramatta Eels hosting the North Sydney Bears, which is the Roosters affiliate in the New South Wales Cup. Uh, like I said, kickoff 5.25. A handful of changes this week once again for the uh, reserve grade team as it sort of bends to the whims of the NRL team. 
Hayes Perrin at fullback, Lala Toa Mata Afa on one wing with Toa. Wait, they've listed the Mata Afas twice on the wings. What's going on here, team? Sean Russell. Yeah, Sean Russell. Sean Russell on the other wing. They've actually posted <laughs> uh, with Will Penasini, Michael Oldfield uh, in the centres. Uh, Mata Afa was actually named to start on the wing uh, last week, but had to make way for Hay- Hayes Dunster, who came back from NRL after playing a handful of minutes. So he gets his, I assume he's going to get his first proper start unless Hayes drops out of the lineup prior to kickoff, uh, well prior to kickoff. Um, but you'd have to think Hayes stays in the team uh, based on the fact that he played last week. So Mata Arfa get his first start for the Eels this year. In the halves, Jordan Rankin and Jacob Arfa. Uh, Makahesi Makatoa switches from lock forward to prop this week and will partner Wiramu Greg in the front row with Joey Lusick being bookended. Uh, Ellie Elzegaham, Raystone and Keegan Hipgrave are the new look back row of Raystone returning from, uh, was it a shoulder injury this time or a thumb? Shoulder. Shoulder. So Ray Stone back, which is good to see. Keegan Hipgrave moves from the edge to the lock forward to accommodate that return. And then on the bench, you've got Nathaniel Roach, Kurt Dillon, Sharbel Tassapali, and Kai Rodwell. Atasi James is the 18th man. And I think Ham and I are pretty much in agreement. So we hope that James can drop back to the flag to at least get some good playing time this week because I don't think he's going to be fitting into the, the cup. Yeah, when you got McIntyre, Greg, um, Hipgrave all playing 50, 60 minutes. Um, it's not much there for a young prop forward, so yes, uh, which is not it's not a reflection on Atasi's talents because he is a good prospect. Just I just on, want him to play fifty, sixty, yeah, and leg exactly. Same thing with Dave Hollis, uh, much yeah. better suited to getting a, a prolonged run in the flag. Even if the quality of the grade is lower, let him get some game time into the uh, you know into themselves, and then when the opportunity comes, bump him back up to New South Wales Cup to play a bigger role. So yeah, no doubt there'll be injuries, suspensions. Whatever in first exactly. round, which then facilitate changes out. in the cup, which leads to opportunities for the flag guys to come up. Exactly. Yeah. So. And, oh, and another reason to get out to this game, you can watch the future superstar, future um, immortal Joseph Sawali. That's true. Sawali is <laughs> he is named in the extended roster in the NRL, but in terms of the, the New South Wales Rugby League, New South Wales Cup, he is named starting the centres. Um, there's a Brad Abbey, who was once the highly touted New Zealand Warriors prospect that went to Canberra. Is now, I think Will and Joseph will be possibly lining up man, against Will, each Will, Pen- Will Penasini's actual like run of opposition centres this year is insane. He is getting like yeah. the perfect uh, development year in New South Wales Cup. Yeah. So you got the Joseph Sawali versus the Parramatta Joseph Sawali. Is that no, right? we got the Parramatta Will Penasini, mate. <laughs> well, well, everyone's got everyone's got apparently got Joseph Sawali at their club. That's what <laughs> but looking looking at the Bears outfit, Tony Satini was a, a fame uh, not famous but a popular Penrith junior at one point. Can I just say, name drop, I played against him too as well. That's another one. Back-to-back mate. podcast, Birdie. What mate, the heck? Can, can I just say, mate? I Jess, don't know what happened to me if I, you know. Jesse Jesse Marsh is named at dummy half, but he's been caught up to the NRL, so there's going to be a change there. Uh, that is not a very good Roosters reserve grade team on paper, but they're coming third, are they? Yeah, they're coming yeah. third. Interesting. That that is. Oh, not- they've had Sam Walker in there who's been killing it for oh. the five games he was in there. True. I think he had like twenty try assists or something. Okay, so he was absolutely so that, like you look it. at that team and that looks like a bloody A grade team. Like there's no NRL experience there to be honest. Like, mm. but yeah, uh, kick off that game five twenty five p.m. Knock on wood, TCT might have an audio live stream for this one. We are trying to get some logistical work done in the background to make sure that we have access to everything we need to do an eighty minute broadcast. But yeah, um, otherwise we'll be doing live updates and moving on to the big dance now. It's a. I looked at this draw and I was like, the Parramatta Eels, you know, the start of the draw, start of the season is not too bad, but in retrospect, it's been absolutely brutal. Um, this is a, a second v fourth uh, fixture as the Eels play host to the Sydney Roosters. 
the Eels enter this game as the the betting favourites actually one fifty seven to two forty, which is I'm actually surprised it's that far out. Even for the Roosters' injuries, they've been very very good. Um, the, speaking of the Roosters, they look like this with James Tedesco returning from a concussion. He's captain the team at fullback with Daniel Tupo and Matt Ikavalu on the wings. Josh Morris and Joseph Manu are in the centres. Manu reverting back the centre from fullback with the return of Teddy. In the halves, Drew Hutchinson will partner the much more uh, talented Sam Walker with uh, a front row of Isaac Liu and uh, CSI Takeaho uh, on either side of what would have been Sam Verrills but is now Benjamin Marsh. In the back row, you've got the excellent Angus Crichton alongside Nat Butcher and Victor the Inflictor Radley. On the bench, Adam Kieran, Jared Weir Hargraves, Fletcher Baker, and Daniel Saluka Fafita, the, the coward puncher, is back. And then the extended roster is Egan Butcher, Nafau White, Lachlan Lamb, and Joseph Suwali. Trent Robinson is their coach for the Eels. Uh, not too many changes this week. In fact, there's only one cosmetic change uh, with Ryan Madison getting the official start in the back row after being listed on the bench last week. Clinton Gufferson is the captain at fullback. Mike Acevo and Blake Ferguson on the wings. Tom Opacic and Maradani Aquaria in the centres. Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses, your halves. Reagan Campbell-Giller, Junior Paulo and Reed Marnie are the front row. Isaiah Papali'i and Ryan Madison are on the edges with Nathan Brown. Uh, provision listed the play after returning from uh, that suspected cork at lock forward. Oregon Kafusi, Sean Lane, Hayes Dunster and Bryce Cartwright are the four interchange players. Joey Lusick, Keegan Hipgrave, Wiramu Greg and Jordan Rankin are the shadow roster. Brad Arthur is the coach. There we go. We got it. Take it away, boys. You go, Bertie. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, like every every year when we verse them, I tip. I think we're like every year I say we're getting close to them and we're going to beat them. You know, and then for some reason they just class takes over the last ten minutes. I, I'm I'm more confident now just because of the injuries. Like we got to watch out for Sam Walker. You know, he throws throws a mean cutout pass. So like if Sivo or Fergo, you know, are lazy and drifting in, he's going to tear us to shreds. But um, other than that, this is this is the most confident I've been. Like I'm not saying we are going to win like 100 but i'm more confident now just because we have improved from last year and just the injuries and surely we have the team to not like we, we can put in an 80 minute performance this week Parramatta are actually entering this game on a four game losing streak against the roosters although the last two encounters were the uh very entertaining round three game against them in 2019 and then the high quality was it round four or round five last year uh, 24 to 10 loss round which seven. round seven sorry there you go it, the 24 to 10 looks a lot worse on paper than it was in the game that was a very high quality game up until the last 10 minutes where we had michael jennings sinbind and uh the, the score line blew out a little bit but yeah the, i think you're right but the eels have closed the gap and i feel like this year might end up being where we finally uh, you know quote unquote overtake them if only by virtue of their ridiculous injury toll but in saying that this is the same roosters outfit that went into the game against newcastle pretty decent team on paper and absolutely pasted them despite being riddled with injuries going into the game and then riddled with injuries during the game. So, yeah, But Newcastle pretenders, they've got nothing. That's, like, that, that is like, true. I'm, I'm being serious. They've got, they've had everything go there where they had like five of the opening seven games at home. They're, they're legit pretenders. No, I, I agree that Newcastle are very much pretenders, but they still have a decent team that can, you know, compete with other non-contender yeah. lineups. And the Roosters just went in there and they put the cleanest for them. It's the um, Dragons game because they took care of Dragons very well after the Dragons took you know took care yeah. of us. So that's what I'm you know a bit hesitant. And you know a lot of the hype will be around Sam Walker and deservedly so. The young kid has made a sensational start to his NRL career. Um, this is probably the biggest litmus test in his young career yeah, after you know dusting up some not so flash lineups, but doing doing exactly what he had to do. Um, do you reckon the Eels? I mean, the Eels will be targeting him, but do you reckon they're going to go over the top targeting him or just? To, sorry, will they go to the point of disrupting their game plans to target him, 
or they sort of just if he's there, make you know make the extra effort to go after him, but don't you know sort of break your structures in order to get to him. I I don't think so. To be honest, I think we don't do that. We don't. When's the last time we targeted a specific player? Like I don't remember. I don't think we. I don't think Brad Arthur sets up his teams to do that. Where he goes, I think he just sets up his team. We just do our stuff, and we'll worry about. We'll just like we're not so much like the Bill Belichick where he actually tries to nullify. Um, maybe the fullback. We don't. We kick to the corners, but I doubt it. We you know, we like, did it. Uh, the numbers would say otherwise. Looking back on that game last year, the twenty four to ten loss. I think Teddy ended up getting one hundred and sixty meters from his 60-something minutes before Mike Acevo almost killed him. Uh, but I felt like he had uh, he was nullified during that game. Like, he got his meters, yeah. but he wasn't being his usual devastating self. So the Parramatta do have the capacity to at least uh, slow Tedesco down in some capacity. Uh, yeah. The question is whether they can do that between him and Sam Walker. Like, do you, you know, are you going give to give on one side to get the other, which you don't really want to be doing against a team like the Roosters? Uh, I think I'm looking forward to Sivo Ikevalu. I think last time them two played, Sivo scored three tries and Ikevalu. Nice, nice sidestep. He literally just ran over him, you know. So no, that, that, that was a quality sidestep there. As good as um the the Avril one on on Dylan Brown, mate. I respect that. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not I'm not razzing you. That was a still a good good point about the. Ikevalu. I don't know what the, I don't know what's going no, on. The, the, the Ikevalu Sivo matchup will be important. The Eels play so much of their game through their flankers, um, particularly the left side of Mike Sivo. Uh, and last time we saw Sebo score that all-time try where he trampled uh, James Tedesco. Um, it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Eels can exploit them out wide. Brett Morris being uh, out is a big loss for them in terms of just general workload and the ability to finish defensively and offensively. If we're, if we're not talking about disrupting our game plan too much in terms of trying to disrupt Sam Walker, where else can we win this game? Ford pack obviously stands out. Um, is Reed Money going to be the difference for the Eels given that they've got a lot of inexperience at dummy half now? Well, the thing is, I'm pretty sure Sam Walker plays on the right-hand side. I believe that's correct. So, so which correct. is their attacking left. So, I mean, he's still going to be having Papali'i run at him. He's still going to be having Cartwright run at him later on in the game. So, that is the side we naturally attack. Um, I actually think we can target Drew Hutchison. I think he's got a bit of an error in his game. I think we can rush him a little bit on that right-hand side. Maybe, you know, if um, Sam's over on that right and we've got Drew parked out on the left... I think maybe we can play a bit that aggressive up and in style, um, get him a little bit flustered early on. I think we can produce a few errors. He's from big the, for uh, a halfback, eh? Yeah. He's like a forward, so. Drew, Drew Hutchinson fight. is a very yeah. sizable lad for a half, yeah. On the flip side, Sam Walker is absolutely tiny. Uh, yeah. he, and I think he's actually been needled up for an AC joint injury, if I'm not mistaken. He's uh, yeah, he's pushing, pushing through it, trying to tough it out. So there, there is an opportunity to certainly uh, sort him out with the physicality of our game. Uh, but in the same token, I think that he is just that prodigiously talented. I wouldn't be surprised to see him bag a few try assists against us. If, against even us. if you get Junior to go down the short side, you know how he, he has that like, that passing game, that move we do where he sweeps, where he passes it to like the fullback and uses the the edge as a um as a dummy runner. Like you can probably get him on the edges, but man, I would I would have loved the Murata on that side. You know that that's like a mismatch right there. <laughs> but uh, do we think uh, Bryce Cartwright has a different role this week? He, you know he's obviously supremely gifted. Came on and played a bit of left edge, but also played down the right for us against the Canterbury Bulldogs. Do we continue to use him in as like a generalist against the Roosters, or does he does he have a more defined role? No, I think you can still play him as a generalist. Um, you know, you look at who's up against: where Hargraves, Fletcher Baker, Daniel Fafita. They're all big boys. I think you know, even if you sort of launch him in the middle, you tell Gutho plays. You know, if you're on the attack, plays one to three, play off Cardi's hip. Or even just you know that just the one six seven playoff card he's hip there, 
see if we can get a few of those tired forwards being a bit lazy. I reckon you could get something there too. Um, just trying to think what else, whatever else are the major talking points to this one. The Roosters. It, it, all, it all depends what happens with who takes the knee from Brown roll and what's going to happen there. Like that's Okay, like so assuming, assuming Brown is out, what do we do? That is a good question. How do you reshuffle the team? To be the least disruptive to our uh, to our game plan, to our bench rotation. Um, you know, we, we've got Oregon Kafusi, who's probably going to need to stay on the bench to be part of the forward rotation. We're McGregor, Keegan Hipgrave seem to be a good fit to come into the bench and then promote Sean Lane. Maybe how, yeah, how would you guys you handle to push it? Push Laney to the starting role, yeah, and then have either Keegs or Wiramu. Hipgrave. Yeah, I was I was leaning to more towards Hipgrave in this game. Well, that's fair. Um, I think Keegan's probably got the inside running as the next forward up, although Greg has you know, been very good too. Uh, unfortunately, Hipgrave broke his streak of being undefeated in 2021, ripped the streak. Uh, so Ryan Madison is now carrying the torch with the Parramatta Reels uh, due to his concussion rolling him out of that uh, loss against the St. George Laura Dragons. Matter was now undefeated, the only undefeated player for us on the season. Um, but yeah, the, great to have this game out at Bank West. It's another great litmus test for the Eels. Uh, the Roosters will be all it's business. It's a litmus test for the fans. That's true. Ham, Ham, was very disapp- Ham was very disappointed on the weekend, uh, by the way. 13,000 to a traditional local rival, Eels versus Bulldogs. I understand Stadium Australia's shit to get out to, shit atmosphere, whatever. But the fact that there was only 13,000 people there, when I know, understand 12 years ago there was 70,000. I understand it's a finals game, but minimum should be going to that ground. Eels versus Dogs, 30,000. Mm. Eels fans, you've got to get out there and support the team. We're coming second. Ham sending out the rally cry. I uh, think we've had one week in the past two years where we've been outside the top four. There's not 25,000 screaming Eels fans there this Friday night. I'll be very disappointed again. That's it. Ham has issued the ultimatum. Everyone's going to get out because you know the Power Podcast is uh, terrifyingly powerful oh boy, when it comes uh, to. We, we, we've, got, we've got the hookup to Peter Volandis. That's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, on, on that note, with the, the big shout-out to Big Daddy P, um, let's get to our, pre- our predictions. Uh, we are closing in on hour 20, I believe, so we've been oh boy. having a, a nice yarn. Um, yeah, Bertie, I'll start for you, mate. First try score uh, margin and any other crazy prediction you want to throw in. <laughs> um, I'm going to tip us to win uh, 34-10. I'm sure I have a quick look on the weather app. Yes. It's going to be raining, so make that twenty, make that 14-2. <laughs> okay. No, nah, okay. I legit, no, nah, I legit think it'll be a close game, but it, it, we'll probably we'll win three tries to one. All right. And um, so but, some, uh, somewhere between feel, eighteen to six or thereabouts. Yeah, it'll be like it'll be like a Melbourne Storm, but in that game where we'll just literally go out at high completion rate and safe football. But um, yeah, I, I don't, I expect, I expect Brad after to get the boys fired up. You know, as you said, we're on a losing streak against them. I expect him to get the tell the forwards, you know, the fire up. And this is a game to say, here we are. We are legit, genuine uh, uh, title contenders and not just filling in the top four that are some media reports. You know, every time a media say they're top four, they always mention Penrith, Souths, Melbourne, and Roos. Well, let's be part of that conversation and let's, let's just, you know, put a uh, stamp on the competition. So I'm typically in Dylan Brown masterclass, whether it's, you know, defensively or offensively, but um, yeah, I reckon he'll... He'll, he'll cut the shit out of him, cut the errors out of him, and yeah, he'll do well. And first try score, I'm going to go, um, oh, I'll go Dylan Brown. He's going to do it all. Respect. There you go. Ham, what do you got for us this week? Um, I'm on a similar wavelength to Birdie, I think. I think we're going to score three tries, but I think we're going to go 20 points. And I think the Roosters will go half of that. They'll go 10. I hate you. I hate you. 
I, that, that's not exactly my prediction, but it is very close to my prediction. So now I'm going to be priceless. Well, you're you. 20 to 9? <laughs> no, I'm 22, 12. Uh, okay. Oh, uh, you can still do that. So yeah. um, I'll probably take this one too from you. I think we're on the same wavelength here. Ice, Isaiah Papali'i oh. scores first try. Okay, I can't pick Papali'i now. So damn <laughs> you. So um, I'll go with Matto. Go to the Cardi party off the bench no, until they from Brown's no, role. No, no, <laughs> All right, okay, how about this? William McGregor starting uh, lock. No. Jordan Rankin. Joey Lussick, how about that? Joey Lussick. No, they're going to pick a player from outside the 21 and get special dispensation. Yeah. Joseph yeah. Depine. Are you going to show this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll go with uh, Ryan Madison to score a try or score the opening try against his old club. Uh, with the Eels, with my aforementioned 22 to 12 margin of victory. Um, in saying that, this is a game the Roosters could easily get up and win. They are, uh, despite all their injuries, and they've got a lot of injuries. They're um, very, still a very good team. They're, they're just still so good. That, that's a credit to their coach, Robinson, and to the rest of the playing group for picking up the slack. And I mean, just look at the starting forward pack Liu, Taukiaho, Crichton, Matt Butcher, Victor Adler. Yeah, that's still that, that is still a top, top tier forward pack. Uh, Warrior Hargraves off the bench. Uh, you know, and as much as I joked about him being a coward puncher, Saluka Fafita is a decent prospect. So they've got between those two, you got to watch out, Mado. <laughs> it's no, no joke, yeah. Take your head off. No joke. And then just out out the back line, it's just professional. Tupo's a terrific finisher under the high ball, um, and also you know in general, Ikavalo is a very solid backup winger. Joey Mano's pure class. Josh Morris is a pro. And James Tedesco is James Tedesco, one of the best players in the competition. So, so he doesn't need much Teddy to tear you apart. You know, no. you look at that game. Two years ago, where he went one way, stopped on the dime, and then she there was a hole opened up for a try. So, yeah, so the Eels know they'll need to be on their A game despite taking on the injury ravaged roost, roosters. Goodness. Um, but yeah, it makes it a, a fantastic uh, game on paper and a great chance for the Eels to create a mini break in the top four, actually. We're talking about the, uh, the top five being so far ahead of the rest of the field. Uh, if the Eels win here, they'll create a, a two game buffer between them and the, and the Chasers in the top four. So that. A nice little chance here for the Eels, and we'll have to see how it all plays out on Friday night, boys. Absolutely, any, get out there. Any uh, shout-outs we want to do before we get out there? Obviously, we're missing our main man, Hamish, but he'll get back to us one day. We had him on the train last week, um, but the audio quality obviously wasn't too great. We'll get him back properly one day, though. No, no, sh- no shout When's Magic Round, by the way? Round 10? Next week. Yeah, round 10. Do we take on the Warriors? Warriors, Sunday at... Warriors, come out to play. Yes, Kane Evans. Uh, have we won a Magic Round game? <laughs> we got hammered by the storm. I think that's it. I mean, yeah, it's only been one, hasn't it? Yeah, because the other one got abandoned due to COVID, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, hopefully a better Magic Round second time round for us. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, uh, Paramount Eels, we're all, we're all tipping the win this week as always. Got to tip the Eels. Otherwise, why are you on a Paramount podcast? I've only ever tipped against them once on this podcast. Yeah, and that's why we, we think you're the worst. I don't, think, <laughs> has, I don't think any of us have actually officially tipped against the Eels except for you, mate. I know, but I had to because it was Jonathan Thurston's last home game in North oh, Queensland. I mean, that is a pretty no pretty legitimate reason to tip against us, yeah. Pretty legitimate reason. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as always, thanks for stopping by, guys, and we'll catch you in the next episode next week. Thanks for sticking with us. Layers. Big true on that one hand. Thanks for sticking, sticking with us. <laughs> <laughs>